face. It's my New Year's revolution. <laughs> it's not New Year's. That too. <laughs> Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. Yes, you are. And it's Christmas time, Josh. It is. You know what's great is when you say that and then we don't release the episode until like three weeks later. But they'll know that we're, we have like little hats on. And, oh, okay. And that you look like a big old elf. <laughs> 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 and you look like a slightly smaller elf. Older. An older, that older. Slightly smaller, much older. I've been working on my beard. Have you noticed? I've been letting it grow a little bit and trying to do some Santa Claus action. Is it, is it getting there? You are. Very Santa y. Yeah, I, I take a little time to right? check you, out you the beard. That's I'm impressive. Trying, I'm, I'm going to let it grow over the holidays and to see how I probably won't be able to stand it, but it's pretty white. It's not totally white. But Can I'm, you braid it? Can I braid it? <laughs> I'll do that right after I get the tattoo of what? The eagle on my back. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Then I'll braid my beard. Okay, good. Uh, put beads in it? Do I do that as well? Yeah, that too. Yeah, part of that? It'd give you a nice Nordic feel. You're right. I did let the uh, the, the seasonal cat out of the bag. But yeah. Metacasters, it, it's, I'm joyous because it is that holiday <laughs> season. And so this is, this is a holiday uh, uh, event with Josh. We were talking about five, five years of Metacast. So over the next is, couple of Metacasts. correct. We've been we've been at this for five. I can't believe it, Josh. For five years. Mm-hmm. So happy anniversary, Joshua. Happy <laughs> anniversary to you, sir. So do um, we do we have a toast of water? Yeah. Oh, a toast of water. Cheers, there cheers, mate. Cheers to you and yours. Happy holidays. So enough of that. What's our topic? To, what were we going to talk about today? Uh, you're going to talk about pixie dust. I hear. I I was I was just. So you, we, Metacasters, we were trying to figure out, it's like a road mapping-ish, uh, I can't think, I can't Strategic, strategic. direction, technical debt. So, pl- so planning activities towards the future? Yeah, so the initial idea was product strategy, and Bob decided we talked about that one too many times and had the same argument one too many times. No, no, release planning. That's separated. I'm, I'm getting there. Oh, okay. I know it's okay. rare that I get an extended time to talk. <laughs> uh, oh, I'll pull that out yeah, later. Yeah. <laughs> but that was the idea, and we've changed it to execution within a sprint, I think, about how you... Don't always just do stories. Like, I actually have a really good story about stories from two sprints ago. So we had a really super good sprint. Super good. Very technical term. Where we got all of our work done. We were three days left on our sprint. Oh, that's cool. We were done. Now, the question is, now I'm, see, I don't care. About, I do care about that. But now, what hap- What did you do after that? That's what's interesting. Exactly. So, so that was do? the big question. The big question was, what do we do? The next most important thing, so the top-ranked item on our backlog, was big. Okay. Right? So we had this large debate about... Decompose it? What do we do? Do we decompose it? We went round and round, and I couldn't do it. Really? Couldn't do it. 
Technically, you could do it. Technically, yeah. It's and we spent time so repeatedly you felt, investigating. As a coach, that. you yeah. felt good. I felt like okay, the team tried it. We investigated it. Just can't do it. It was it's big like security stuff. Big heavy lifting. So it would fit in a sprint. It would just not fit into three days remaining. Correct. And you couldn't decompose if they'd been part of it fit into three days remaining. Right. Okay. So So pass on that. Why would we pass on the most important thing for us to do? Because it doesn't fit. That was the big debate. But what if it's the most important thing for us to do? Right? Like we had we had a real serious debate on the most important thing for us to do is this. We actually were gonna put it in the sprint. But because of the dependencies that we had around a couple other things, we thought it was too risky to put in that sprint. So the number one item on our backlog, we were voluntarily putting off for 10 days because of the sprint infrastructure, because the two-week sprint having things magically fit in there. We knew the right thing for do, to do for us was to work on it. But if we put it in the sprint, we wouldn't finish it, so we would fail a sprint, in air quotes, and people thought that was a bad thing to do. So that was an interesting position. The interesting thing that came out of it was that our Agile coach, thank you, Richard, I've said thank you a couple times on this, said, you know what, maybe the most important thing for us to do isn't a story. Maybe the most important thing for us to do is to fix the backlog, because you've gone on and on about how a lot of the symptoms we have where, where we struggle are because our backlog is not refined well enough. So we do a lot of just-in-time planning. So taking that step back of everything that's in your sprint isn't always necessarily a story as relates to code. Maybe there's a story that relates to team wellness, backlog wellness. So you took those three days and, and groomed ahead, sort of using my that term? Groomed to where we should have been because we... We groomed ahead, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but you were behind, yeah. Groom, I had right. behind her, not yeah. the point. You you hadn't, you know, you sort of. It's a new team, so you're sort of in the moment of grooming, right? So you took not probably not the whole three days, but you took part a good part of those three days and right. did a lot of look ahead. What I would call grooming is story look ahead. Right. How cool is that? Yeah. So that was one of those nice moments where the team stood back and said, "Oh crap, you're right." The most important thing isn't always a story. Some of the most important things might be these other things that are out there. I've always looked at it that way, though. I, I look at it as like once a team gets into this stretch mode, mm-hmm. like once you're and your team, and it's the good news. It's not a bad news scenario. It's mm-hmm. a good news scenario. The team planned a sprint. They stretched, if you will, or they over-delivered or whatever. Things worked out well. They have some extra space. I always want the team to look at the the backlog like the next highest priority but not to get stuck on it uh, to me you look like down. it's fair game to look down the list and cherry pick something else because you're in this I almost have changed the rules as a coach to talk about what well, we're in stretch mode so for example uh, like team health could be something we pull in so you could one, one option is look down the backlog you mm-hmm. don't have to be stuck on the next the next highest value story you want to look at it uh, you might want to look down the backlog and say, is there something that we should spike in in this sprint? So you could do that. Uh, you could decompose the next highest priority. You could decompose something later on. You could fix some bugs. I just you don't could, understand why. So that's something that we've spent a lot of time talking about of why 
should we not work on the next highest value if, can, if we've can. clearly defined it? And the big hurdle that we had was that Scrum and the sprint and the boundaries with that were telling us not to do that. So we got a little bit frustrated but with that is the, that is the rules. Why, what I'm talking about is it is the rules of the time box. Right. Uh, I mean, there's two things we're talking about. What to do with that extra space if you have it, if you're in Scrum, and Scrum says, and I would as a Scrum coach say, honor the time box boundary. So then what do you do if you have this wiggle room? You would have the same thing with skill. What if you didn't have the skill sets? Forget whether you could decompose it. Mm -hmm. Let's say if the right people to work on that story actually were cleaning up some things in the current sprint. So there's many reasons why you could you would skip the next highest priority. Skill set could come into play. Allocated time could come into play. You needed to spike at the size of it. All of that stuff. I just look at it as you have this opportunity to fill it. It's a good news. It's like make a wise decision, which your team came around to. Mm-hmm. You have extra time, if you will. Invest now. If it was always, if you, if it was always three days, and then you would, you were always grooming. I would look to sort of change that pattern. Correct. I would be looking for. Can we throw some bugs in there? Can we throw some architecture in there? Can we do something else? Can it not always be a get out of jail free card for you know? Are we not setting up this default pattern? Correct. Team. So I would push back on that, but I, I think that's all fair game. Now the interesting thing that you brought up is one of the when I was at Eye Contact, we switched from Scrum to uh, to Kanban, and what you brought up the primary reason why I think we you know there were other reasons, but the primary reason that we made the switch from Scrum to Kanban was that the time boxes make you do crazy things at times, right? It, nonsensible things, and the team and a good team. And I don't know if your, your teams are young, they're mm-hmm. inexperienced, so they may be getting inklings of this. I would push them through through it in, in Scrum first. But two years, a year from now, yeah. it, you get into this point where, why am I doing this? Because of the time box? Yeah. Like if you have, you might have three teams and you're coming to a release and the last sprint, one of the teams is finishing up something for the release, but the other two are not. And now you're going to say, but all three teams have to do a hardening sprint. I'm just pulling this out. Let's just say you're doing a hardening sprint. Hypothetically, Josh. <laughs> Josh would never do that, but let's pretend. Or what, do you know what I'm trying to say? I do. I so do. out of three teams that are moving, that are committed to a release, one of them ha, you know, has a full load of work. The other two, actually, they're either going to do work for the release or in a sensible time, they would pick up the next story right. or the next epic. But they don't pick up the next epic because... The, what, the release train tells them that they have to do something else. And we, were, we ran into that, and it was we had like 10 teams, and sometimes three or four teams were doing something that really didn't make sense, and they were scratching their heads, and they were saying, and why are we doing this? Right. Because we're, they, they actually got out of the flow, right? Because mm-hmm. the flow was the next... It wasn't just the next highest priority story. There was a sensibility to that next highest priority story. Right. Right. It was in the flow of the value chain. It was in the flow of the customer. Right. And uh, and that was... And in, in at one point, those answers of, well, Scrum, you know, the Scrum rules tell us to do that sort of didn't make any sense to us. So, I, I don't... I mean, you have a choice. Do you ever think about switching to Kanban? The debate's been out there, and we've talked about it repeatedly. We're, we're at that point, and again, like you mentioned, we're going to continue with Scrum, but in the next year, we'll evaluate that because we have had in 
five sprints, right? We've had a couple times where that time box has forced us to make decisions that we knew weren't the right decision. the most right decision, yeah. but they were the most right for Scrum. I so, think I think those events pop up more and more. Yeah. As you mature, now it's not just the team. The thing I learned at Eye Contact, I would I always say that you you need to be mature. So Scrum is is a learning place, and you need to earn Kanban. Uh, by maturity, by mm-hmm. practice, by experience. I think the teams have experienced learning, but also the organization. One of the reasons that we waited so long, we, we were probably doing Scrum for three and a half years. We had inklings around Kanban for 12 to 18 months. One of the reasons we delayed was I think the teams were ready for it, but the product folks weren't ready for it. I hope I'm making sense. Meaning, I get it. If you think planning is tough in Scrum, right? From a from a not you, <laughs> from a business point of view, uh, from your from your your manager's point of view, from a release train point of view, if you think it's hard in Scrum, it's incredible. Their brains blow up on on Kanban. Right. So we we needed our product team to sort of get it, uh, to get like a flow based model, right? right? And to be able to predict release to do release forecasting. In a flow-based model, and that was that was pretty hard for them to get their brains wrapped around. So that was one of the other things that we we had to sort of they had to get comfortable and and learn that or get ready to do that. Or mm-hmm. yeah, cool. So we've talked in the past about packing sprint. You 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 had an interesting analogy of you have these different sized rocks and you have an anchor story. The angle that we're taking about this is the different types of rocks you're going to pack into that sprint. So you have those story rocks, those like natural epic slash story rocks. Then there's these other type of things that you should put in there. I've always used, and I don't know where I got it, I've always used a 70-30 split of 70% of traditional feature stories and a 30% split of all the other stuff. So what are some of those other stuff type rocks that you would pack into a sprint that you think deserve... To be talked about because there's a bazillion things you can put in there, but the heavy hitters that should be in there more often than everything else. See, I don't even talk about so so when I've done the anchor story thing, I you know, and I've even written a blog post about it. I use 25 points as a so just use 25. I know your points are bigger, yeah, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, so correct. I use 25 points as a as an anchor. For the sprint, for the sprint capacity, so to me a thirteen is an eight. So half the sprint. So I'm looking for an eight to a thirteen to be an anchor, preferably a thirteen point story, to be the anchor story. Then I look for some fives and eights to be around that. So I'm really looking for, I'm looking for, um, what probably eighty to eighty five or ninety percent of the sprint to be focused on. The sprint goal, right? The theme for the sprint, like one major theme. Not, I don't want to cobble five different things together. I want to have like a related feature, call it a feature, mm-hmm. or a subset of a feature, uh, call it a part of an epic, a significant chunk of an epic. Think about the demo. So that would say that eighty percent or more of the contents of the sprint, would, you would demo, and it would be a coherent demo. It, you would go through those things in a workflow. Uh, that's what I think of. And then the sand to me might be two, three, four points, about maybe up to no more than five points. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be sand. And then sand can be things like uh, grooming, sand, uh, not so much grooming actually, like a bug, bug fixing, uh, spikes, 
uh, architectural spikes, feature spikes, architectural spikes, architectural. Yeah, so can we talk about spikes a little bit? Yeah, um, but but that's that to me is sort of a mix. Now, yep. what I would say is, let's say we had a what we could have a spike anchor. I hope I'm making sense. No, not yet. So bring that spike in. So let's say it's the first break. You've never done anything. You're, right. you're doing this here. You've never. You have a brand new greenfield right. project. Are we, are we going to, to me, that's the, the, the first sprint, the anchor could be, <laughs> figure it out. Right. Right? So forget the sand is the spikes. We're not going to, you know, because then if I, if I take that approach, I'm going to be doing these little micro spikes when I don't have a clue about where I'm going directionally for the first few sprints. I would say we have epics that are spikes, if mm -hmm. you will. We're breaking them down. And the entire, you might have a theme of a sprint that is figuring out stuff. Right. Uh, you could have a bug fix epic or a theme for a sprint that's fixing as many bugs as we can. So, so to me, the sand is, is that's not the only place where you get look ahead. That's uh, bug fixes or refactoring or things like that. You can also have the major theme of a sprint could be a prototype. Like let's run, a pro let's run an experiment and run, right. a, run a prototype. So I, and I think it's a combination of those two things. You, you said, uh, what, Spike? Yeah, so I just wanted to dig in on Spikes a little bit. One thing that I've found that adds real value is getting the team to think of the output of a Spike is a set of stories that define the Absolutely. work. Because I've, I've seen a lot of people that just do Spikes and they just kind of blow away and like you don't have something tangible coming out of that. But that's the only thing I've found that's given us the ability to take a spike and have it drive the value that we I thought always, it needed. You and I are perfectly aligned there. I've always talked about spikes. To me, almost the default output, you'd have to really argue with me to, to, to not make it this way as a team member. But the, the default output or the default acceptance criteria, let's call it the, because to me a spike is a story and it has Correct. acceptance criteria. Right. The, the number one acceptance criteria is a thoughtful set of stories. To implement the spike, so so what what is a thoughtful set of stories? A decomposed set of stories that are executable stories that have dependencies that maybe have other spikes identified if there are any right. smaller things. Put 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 that story landscape together. I would want that to be the output. I normally then beg people for code. I I, I don't demand code, but it's like and I want prototype code. I mm -hmm. want I want something hacked together. Right. So if the nature of the spike says that you can you can cobble together code or a prototype or even a model, even like a weird, let's say you could cobble together a, an Excel spreadsheet model of something, you know, you know, some, like, like a workflow. I, I, to me, that would be gravy. I would really want that. Anything that you, any, any executable artifact, preferably the code of the du jour that you're working in, uh, I, would, I would love to see like a prototype code. Because to, to me, that's what, knowledge, Knowledge that's just knowledge gained by reading a wiki page. Yeah, that's not good enough. It, to me, I, I, now sometimes, maybe one out of ten. Yeah, that's pretty rare. I because you need to actually know that it's, to me, that, 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 that POC of really understanding, A, we can do this, and then B, how we should write, do it. Write some code. Just yeah. write something. Make it executable. That leads into, I like to demo it sometimes. Uh, now, it may be a really weird, ugly demo, because it's not production. But that's the really code. cool stuff. He's like, hey, we didn't think we could do this. And, sh and we yeah, can. Yeah, and yeah. here's proof. Yeah. Because I found so many times that you read it, you think it's going to work. And 
it, you don't know that it's going to work with your architecture, your approach, your patterns of practices until the rubber meets the road. And that's when the wheels fall off. Correct. And you're like, holy crap, we got to find a way right. to reassemble this. So I'm right on board with that. You so to, have to me, acceptance criteria would be I want stories. I would demand that. To, to me, it's because I'm not, I'm disconnected as a programmer. I can't, you know, I, I haven't coded in a long time. I can't demand, I can't tell someone 100% of the time write code. But I beg, I plead. Like if, if there's an opportunity to produce a code of any sort, please do it and make right. it and make it the acceptance criteria for that. Uh, I also like the time box spikes. Do you do that? We do that as well. Yes. Because I, I've noticed my history is spikes. Spikes by the very nature of a spike can go on and on. Right. And it's almost hard to argue. You know, it's because you're getting more knowledge, but but it's like you can't have it go on and on. So I usually look for. I usually try to do what find a pair of people. So I don't like one person working on a spike alone. Mm -hmm. I usually try to cherry pick. Like you, you and I are going to work on a spike. What do we think? Two or three days. Do do we think we can get knowledge in two or three days? Okay. So Josh, you and I are going to work on a spike. We're going to time box it to two or three days. Three days. Mm -hmm. The accepted. It's going to be have a story. It's going. We're going to quote points for it, but the points are going to be sort of fudgy because they're tied to the time box. Yeah. And we're not we're not going to work on it till we're comfortable. We're going to stop at the time box and we'll produce what we did in the acceptance criteria. Correct. And then we'll reevaluate do we need more knowledge? Uh, I hope we don't, but you know sometimes you, you know the answer is 3 days wasn't enough. Right. Okay, so then we we would need to throw we go through it again. I find that that we need more knowledge doesn't happen that often with folks. You get enough knowledge mm-hmm. that you could figure it out via grooming and then you could just execute it in a sprint. Are we are we we've never talked about spikes like that, have we? On the Not game? to that depth. We've talked around them. That's why I really wanted to dig into them because I felt like we've thrown that term are out. Are we aligned in that? But yeah. You and I personally aligned? Yeah. Yeah, I just felt like we never gave the listeners real depth into what we meant when we said spike. Yeah. So I wanted to spend a little time digging into that and clarify. So to me, that could be, a spike could be, let's use what, anchors? So let's use boulders, rocks, pebbles, sand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we boulders, rocks, pebble, t- pebbles. To me, a spike could be a boulder, it could be a rock, or it could be a pebble. Uh, it depends, right, on the spike. So if it was a boulder, then that spike could be the theme of a sprint. Right. If it's a rock, it could complement a boulder. It should complement a maybe a related boulder uh, for the sprint. So you look for complementary. We're working on this boulder, and this spike, this rock spike, is going to set us up for the next sprint. So I, I, I don't think spikes have a default size. When you're packing sprints, that's what I'm really trying to get back. Yeah, to. yeah. There's 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 times when it's just a teeny tiny one. There's times where yeah. it's security, and we got to figure out how we're going to support OAuth two. I mean, you could have and, a whole, to me. You could swarm a whole team. Right. I wouldn't. I my hair wouldn't go on fire at all. In fact, I think it would be good if a whole team was swarming for half a sprint on a security spike. Mm-hmm. Or for most of a sprint on a security spike, I'd want them to deliver a little bit of other stuff, but it's like. Swarm on that. Swarm on the security spike. Write stories. Do some pro. You could have a couple people writing stories. You could have a couple people doing research. You had a couple people prototyping, uh, and then working collaboratively as a team. Yeah. The the other thing that I'm really working hard on is ensuring that we don't hide the dirty parts of the software business. Right. 
places I've been have only demoed the UI stuff, not all of the things that it takes to get software shipped. I'm working really hard to make sure those get equal time, equal face time, because that's a that's a large part of this. Well, wow. a lot of the stuff we're talking about um, is that other stuff that's yeah, in there. This is bumming me out, though. See, I wanted to, to end the Metacast with like, you know, a steel cage death match. How many times have we done this? I know, but I wanted one. I mean, it was like a Christmas present to me. I'm like, <laughs> you know, maybe we can get a steel cage death match right before the you know the end of the year. Uh, but I'm, you know what? You, that's a rare. I get around a lot more than you do. The, the agile universe probably. I'm saying eighty percent of the people think that you only demo, or even more. You right. only demo features. I, I'm aligned with you. I, I like to demo uh, bugs, not not individual bugs, but if it if you did something that had value, if you to me if the team worked on something, just because it's a non-feature does not make it a non-candidate for the demo. In fact, I actually want to show that I want I want stakeholders to start understanding the cost of the hairy to the, yeah. what is the cost of the stuff behind the scenes, mm -hmm. and I think so many teams dig a hole for themselves because all they show is the features right. and they're not showing the hard freaking work, the stuff, the plumbing, right. the infrastructure, the architecture, the architectural runway, to use a safe term, all of that stuff that isn't free. And by not demoing it, uh, you, you don't, I mean, shame on the team because now sort of your stakeholders are getting this feeling like things are trivial. I actually like to explain. It's not, and it's this Metacasters, this is about a coaching point. At two companies where I've worked, uh, I, I do this internally, and I've seen the value because what it does is it level. It starts. It starts teaching the business in in whatever domain you're in how hard your domain is. Yeah. And it and it sort of starts talking. It starts, you know, like the product. The product owners start understanding that. Yeah the cost of what they ask for yeah. by just looking at the demo. Yeah, I, I, I'm really working hard to make sure that we fully understand top to bottom the dirty side of, and dirty is a bad it's, word. It's so a bad word. It's, yeah. But call it the investment side. Right. The, it's, the, it's not, we, it's, people think software smoke and mirrors sometimes, and they think it's true. You've had these discussions everywhere you've gone. <laughs> oh, I can't believe that's, it's, that. My, my child could do that. The Boy Scouts could do that. It's an hour. And you and I know that, well, superficially, we could put up a mock-up in an hour, but to do it right with QA, with automation, with architecture, with plumbing, it's going to take two weeks. And folks are like, you know, you have these discussions ad nauseum. Right. Uh, and it's like, no, start showing Start showing the organization. I'm not making. This is the cost. You're asking. You're asking for a blarg. Uh, what what you think the blarg will cost is only the tip of the iceberg. Let me show you. Right. Let, let me show yeah, you. Yeah. So the the, the uh, interesting thing with that is we're doing some really amazing work with automated tests. And one of the things we're trying to figure out how is to get that the light of day and the visibility and the understanding of the importance of that. We everybody gets it. Everybody nods their head. But so maybe you have some experience on how to help shed light in a demo on this. We go up, we demo the feature from the UI perspective. There may have been 60 automated tests that are powering that behind the scenes. Do you ever show that? Do you have a chart that is just like, this is our automated test count? Or 
how how have you been able to relay that to the business and show I mean, there's them? There's no recipe. I, I have a talk that I've given on powerful demos. And what I'm trying to do is talk people into showing that. So one, I don't think you show it every week. Two, I don't think you hit a button. <laughs> that stuff takes a long time to yeah. run, so please don't do that. Yeah. Uh, you've no, no matter how, actually, no matter how fast it is, if you're driving anything from a UI, it's going to take it forever to run, so you don't do that. So I've recorded things. I've sped up the recordings. I've shown snippets of recordings. I've shown green. I've shown reds going to greens, like screenshots of the results, like a result dashboard. Uh, we've shown singular tests running. Uh, we've shown, like you're talking about, incrementing coverage, like like scales. Right. This week we have 100 automated tests. A month from now we have, you know, 250. I've even shown where we're automating, like a heat map for an application of very quickly, like on a, on a slide. In the, this is all demo. These are real quick snippets right. of this is what we're doing. It's not every week. It's not by rote. But it's showing people the investment we're making over time. Uh, and then I also try to talk about the why, uh, the business why, what, what, why it matters to them. Um, how do you handle... So one of the, the, one of the pushback points is absolutely valid that I get. So 80% of the people hate showing what you call the dirty work mm-hmm. or the investment work, the infrastructure work, all of that stuff. People don't like showing it uh, because they get pushback. Because it's like I don't really care about that. Yeah. Right. So, Why do I care? Yeah. Right. I'm not a programmer. Suck it up. Shut up. I care about features. Right. You're wasting my time. There's there's a lot of angst there. Depending on who you're, this could be at a C level, all the way down to you know folks from marketing, etc. How do, how do you how do you handle that? I mean, that's that's one of the reasons why people don't like showing this stuff. Yeah. We have inserted the product owner into each step along the way within the demo. So at the demo, we show all the normal stuff, and then the product owner talks about, this is our spring goal. This is what we're intending to do. And then they spend a couple minutes talking about how it connects to our business and to the people that are there and the value of why we're doing that. Then before each actual demo, we, we ask them to then start to build the connective tissue of this is why you should care about this. And then the engineer, whoever it is, comes in and does the demo and adds on to that connective tissue of this is why we're doing it, this is what we're doing. So that's a new thing that we've done because before, well, before. So the first three sprints were just the developers get up there, they do their demo, everybody claps and walks away. Right. Now we've put the product owner in there as that bridge to this is why you should care. And... I've been working very hard, and that's that next step for us to get everybody to understand of this is why you should care about the plumbing. Correct. So we aren't there yet, but that's where I'm trying to get to. I think there's an evangelizing part. I think the PO has a burden to connect the dots. I think you as a leader have a burden to connect the dots. And sometimes I've actually jumped up in the middle of a demo when the dots weren't being connected or people weren't taking it seriously, and I've said, hold it a second, time out, right? You guys need to, you get, we're ta- you're taking, the, I'm, I'm sensing in the room you're taking this way too frivolously. This team busted their ass for 80%, excuse me, Metacasters, for 80% of the sprint doing plumbing that, that is going to n- nail, in two sprints, you're going to see a Salesforce interface that's working back to front seamlessly for us. This sprint, 
is set the stage for that, and I want you all to pay attention. What, what, I'm, what I'm trying to role play, I mean, I've literally done this, but sometimes you have to actually chastise people because they're, they're not, they're sort of not getting it. And, and it's used to talk about connected tissues. Sometimes folks are just lazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this attitude, oh, that's just for those technical folks. I actually think sprint, part of what we need to do by showing this stuff is to raise the technical bar in the entire organization. I hope I'm making I'm not trying to turn people into programmers. I agree completely. Right? But damn it, it is not fair. I don't care if you're a customer support engineer. I don't care where you're at. Damn it, we're building software. Yeah, we we are a software company. We're a software you company. You should care about the software exactly. that you're supporting, selling, marketing. And you should training. know what's hard and what's not. And you should and you should know when someone says, I just built plumbing, I worked through this, like to jump you should know enough to jump out of your chair and give them a round of applause. Or not. Right? You should like automation. I, I expect the room to get really automation is not sexy. Automation allows a platform to, for us to what, produce quality software in a real fast way to our clients. Right. Damn it, who in this building doesn't care about that? So now act, now act like it. Right. So I, 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 think, I think it takes time. I'd like, you have to be relentless with it. I, I think it takes time. A lot of folks, uh, there's behind-the-scenes conversations that have to happen as well. I wouldn't put that burden totally on your POs. No, it's not. No, that, that's... I. I have reserved a spot and a slide for our demos that has a picture of a soapbox. Yeah. And that's when Josh love, stands up. I love that. that. I love that. I, I would do that. And you need to be careful about how you do it. So, you know, if you have, let's say you have 30 minutes of demo time, I don't think I would do plumbing for 29 minutes. No. I think you share, I think you pick your messaging. I talk a lot about connecting dots. Uh, I've shown architectural pictures. I remember once at, when we were doing something for uh, a Salesforce uh, interface at iContact, it took us four sprints. We put together an architectural diagram up, and each sprint we filled in. We actually we talked about what we... So forget the features we demoed. We talked about where we were going from an architectural model, a diagram perspective. So we filled it in and said, we were done this. Let me show it to you. Then Then... Next week, we're going to do this. So now we're not getting end to end connectivity yet, but now you're going to be able to see confirmation of Salesforce requests. So, what you're going to see next time is we're going to be working in this area. Then, after that, we'll be here. Then, we'll complete, we'll have a complete end to end demo in the four sprint. I know it sounds counterintuitive. It's like no one cares about architecture. That silly model of filling in the blanks and talking about architecturally where we're going actually helped us. Right. Uh, and, I, and I usually recommend that to folks. It's like whatever you can do graphically to, to sort of get people to know where you've been, where you're going, and connect it to the demo. So that's where you're at now. Yeah. Yeah, that's that next step. So Are I we think, over time? I think thus concludes our holiday potpourri episode. But we didn't cover about, you know what? <laughs> we need to, you know, we didn't cover the pixie dust. Because Medicare should be for the Medicare, so I'm not. We're done now. We we need to stick a fork in it. But maybe the next time, I I actually was thinking about how do we how do we do what we were talking about in a sprint? How do we do it going forward? You with me? And I'm not talking about release planning, which to me is functionally focused often. But it's also how do we how do we make sure that we're getting the right look ahead, like spikes. How do we sprinkle the right, how do we predict to some degree and make sure that we're getting spike look ahead so we don't have these stories that blow up in our faces in the middle of sprints? And I don't want to do that just in the sprint. I want to do that maybe a few sprints ahead. 
And I wouldn't call that release planning. I would call that, you know, sprinkling, like bugs. You know, how many bugs are we going to fix over the next five sprints? How many spikes do we have over the next five sprints? How much infrastructure? How much automation? Are we going to attack? And then take a step back and look at and what are the percentages of the of the pixie dust across the next four or five sprints? Are we comfortable? Is that the right mix? And we didn't get there. Maybe we could. We can get there. Can we get there next time? We will. Yeah. So it's really take this conversation and and spread it into the future a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, and not you and I do it, but at a team level, try to get the team to look at the PO and the team. So Josh. So Bob. Are we done? Why don't we? People know how to get a hold of us. Do we have to repeat that? No. Let's mix things up. Metacasters. I want to thank this man for five years of bliss <laughs> and, and bliss and bearing and bearing with my incessant babbling. Uh, so I want to go on record. That. I want to go on record and and thank Josh for just allowing me to talk as much as I do and being patient and getting the wise words in edgewise. So, Happy New Year, sir. Medicasters. You, sir. Uh, you're probably going to get this in April. But, <laughs> but Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, whatever. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Uh, send us your feedback. Uh, we'd love to hear sort of around this notion of quality and pixie dust and, and not just planning features, but avoiding featureitis and, and having balanced backlogs and stuff like that. Featureitis, that's good. I, I have a you have to read my you have to read my blog post more often, John. They're so long. I they are. <laughs> I wonder why that is. <laughs> One will never know. No. So uh, for uh, I'm Bob Galen and I'm Josh Anderson. Shake and bake. Take care, y'all.